Yes, may I have your attention, please? A little bit of magic. You are listening to The Mini Minxes. It's a mischievous way to start your week. Disney Girl Power. Well, it's that time again, everyone. It's time to welcome you to show number 32 of The Mini Minx Podcast. And joining me, as always, is Michelle. Hello there, and um, thank you everyone for downloading this fortnight show. Woohoo, thank you very much, because without you there would be no point. <laughs> well, there would be a point, it'd be just me and Kim rabbiting on and nobody getting the benefit of our rabbiting. Very true. This fortnight, Michelle, we have got a lot planned in our episode, haven't we? We're going to have to keep 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 focused tonight, Kimmy, because I, I, I had a little sneak at what we've got on the show, and my heavens, we've very busy ladies. Well, on this fortnight show, we are joined by the lovely Jeff Dixon, who's joined us again to talk about all his sequel to his book, Key to the Kingdom. He is indeed a fascinating guy, and we've got one or two other features ahead of us coming up with uh, Jeff Dixon, so do keep an eye out for that, because we've recorded an absolute parker <laughs> with him about bookies. But I'm not going to say any more at the moment, if you know what I mean, Kimmy. I certainly do. And I'm, listeners, I am happy to say there is no hole in the bottom of my bucket. <laughs> Delilah, Delilah. No. Oh. You're not called Lila. No. Is it Delilah? What's that song go like now? There's a hole in my bucket. Delilah, Delilah. Oh, so I was not right. Delilah. You're thinking of a woman who cut off Samson's hair. Ah. Uh. Didn't Tom Jones sing about Delilah? My, my, my Delilah Why, why, why Delilah Okay, we're in the podcast for about three <laughs> minutes and we're already coming up to a song. We're doing really well, Kim. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll swiftly move on there. As always, the lovely Kieran is back with some fascinating facts. And Michelle has found, yes, even more money in the Mini Minx Fund because we are travelling back to Walt Disney World, I believe. We are indeed very exciting. (laughs) We are going to give you a quick tour around one area of um, Magic Kingdom. I'm not going to tell you which area. I'm going to leave it as a surprise. But there may be a doll whip involved. That's all I'll say. There's so, always a doll whip involved where there's a Michelle. True. Where there's Michelle, there's a doll whip. <laughs> so seeing as it's such a busy show, Kieran, you best come on cracking me your first fact. Da, 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 da. Hi, 
This is Kieran, and I have a thank you for you. Some listeners of the podcast very kindly sent me a birthday card, and, in some cases, goodies. So I just want to say a big thank you, despite 10 inches of snow. I had a great day. Did you know? If you were celebrating a birthday in WDW, there are lots of ways you can ensure your loved ones have the best day ever. Firstly, ensure you list your birthday, or indeed, celebration, on your reservation and booking. Then, on arrival at Walt Disney World, ask at your resort or guest services for a personalised badge. They will also give you badges to the rest of your group. Oh, bless Kim. You should have seen him on on his birthday morning. Seriously, we got over 35 cards. He normally only gets about three or four, and he was over the moon. He was so happy. I've got a long list of people I need to say thank you to. Um, I'll do a blog post or something about it in the next few days. But it really made his day, especially with all the snow we got that day, because he couldn't get out to his birthday party either. So... Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you to all the lovely listeners that sent cards. We really appreciate it. And good old Kieran, he does well on our show. He enjoys doing it and he comes up with some cracking facts. He does. He's got two further ones later on in the show for us. But now, I'm excited. It's time to speak to Jeff Dixon. Well, today we are joined by friend of the show. Jeff Dixon has now gone on to write this, get this guys, plural books. He has now written two books, as well as being a Floridian native and pastor. So, hello there, Jeff Dixon. Hi, how are y'all? Welcome to we- the Mini Minxes. It's great to speak to you again. Well, I'm honoured that you would have me back. I mean, sometimes after you talk to people first, I never talk to you anymore. So, the fact that you invited me back, that's a good thing. Thanks. <laughs> No, definitely welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you back. Love hearing your stories. Good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm honoured to be with you and I'm looking forward to it. So, come on then, let's make the, our English listeners a little bit peeved. What's the weather like in Florida today? I am actually looking out my window. It is in the 80s. Uh, and I'm sweating. It's just, it's just a balmy day here in <laughs> Central Florida. <laughs> so, Jack. Yes. Book, as I said at the beginning, all the way back in October, which really, on reflection, is only about four or five months ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We found out about you growing up in Florida. Kim and I are very jealous. And you told us quite a great deal about your first book in the series, The Key to the Kingdom. Now, for listeners who haven't heard of the book, and shame on you listeners, missed out on podcast number 18, would you like to explain a little bit about the main character and how the adventure begins. Sure, I would love to. Um, the Key to the Kingdom is an adventure, adventure mystery thriller that takes place in Central Florida. Uh, the bulk of it takes place at the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, the main character is a pastor by the name of Grayson Hawks who accepts a mysterious invitation to meet one of Walt Disney's Imagineers at, at an out-of-the-way location on the Florida coast. Uh, the place is a real place. It's called Gamble Place. And once the character arrives, he discovers a replica of Snow White's cottage that's been constructed. Uh, actually was built um, after the original Snow White film came out. And while he's there, this Imagineer gives him a key with instructions that he is now the keeper of the key and he is the keeper of the kingdom. And from that moment on, the lead character that I call Hawk 
his world gets turned upside down and he ends up in a battle to figure out what the key opens what he's supposed to do and there's Disney trivia and people trying to stop him and it's just a it's just a mess but also a mess that ends up being great fun I must admit the beginning literally through chapters one and two has you on the end of your seat because you you're just starting to like to this character and then all of a sudden he thinks he's being sort of chased and followed and it's like oh my heavens I can't put the book down I've got to keep on reading Oh, and, and that was and that was what I hoped would happen as people got into it because just like any of us, I think we can identify with a character that kind of gets drawn into a situation that you know he's not real sure about, but you know it was a friend, so he ends up there, and the next thing you know, he's in a big mess, and you always try to figure out what would you do if you were that person, and what would happen to you if you were in that kind of environment, and and so you know that's when the chaos and the fun ensues. Because. I don't know about you, Kim. The best bit of Disney to me is imagination. And definitely in this book, you have to use your imagination and you can actually then step in to the whole world of the story and really pretend that you are Grace Parks as he goes along through the story. No, I mean, I completely agree. And a part of me thinks, Jeff, that you're going to have to release an audiobook of yourself reading it soon because I can just imagine you reading it to me. Well, I, we, we've talked about that a few times, and it would be a lot of fun, but, um, you know, as of right now, i got to be honest, that's, not, that's not, in the, not in the plans, but we'll see. We'll see what happens down the road. So, just moving away for a second, let's have a little bit of our own fantasy then. So, okay. Jeff, you've got the kid. Mm-hmm. Where in the Magic Kingdom, or any of the four packs, would you like to use that key to get into? <sighs> I am, I, I guess I am just old school Walt Disney World. I, I love the Magic Kingdom. I think that's probably because you know, I worked there and it was the first park and I got to see it before it was open. But for me, if I have a choice and I can only go to one of the four, I, I want to I go exploring the Magic Kingdom. Okay, so what will you be sneaking around to find in the Magic Kingdom if you, your key could open any door? Well, I, 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 I'm like everybody else. I'm fascinated with the, the whole underground. I love the Utilidor, and I love that whole concept of a city um, that takes place below the Magic Kingdom. And so I would, I would definitely go exploring down there um, and probably poke around and, and get in all sorts of mischief down there if I could get away with it. <laughs> because nobody else knows you're there because I've given you an invisibility cloak. Okay, still. Well, there we go. I'm good then. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just wander around then. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a fascinating world under there. And again, I've, I've actually been there before. So, um, you yeah, know, but it, it really is it is just a world unto itself. And if I could do anything, I think what I would do is I would probably ride um, the stage that goes up and down over in the Tomorrowland Terrace in the restaurant and probably ride that like an elevator just to say I did <laughs> <laughs> go on Kimster what would you do oh that's, that's that's a tough question and I'm going to be a bit bizarre now but you know downtown Disney and you know the world of Disney Star has a certain very large creature who I am obsessed about that spits at passerbys oh I don't, like, I don't like where this is going <laughs> well I, I, I'd like to control that I think <laughs> that sounds really good. Well, why not? If I can't, if I can't be Stitch, let's control Stitch. <laughs> That's good thinking, Batman. I like that one. Uh, what about you, Michelle? Well, I think being in the 
I'm, I'm going to sort of burst a few people's bubbles here, but I've been in the Utilidars and it didn't... Yeah, they're there, it's amazing to see, but at the end of the day, they're just grey walls. So it wouldn't be an exploration point for me. I would use my key and I'd get on the monorail and I'd, I'd want to be the driver of the monorail for the day and I'd like to do all my cool announcements on my own. <laughs> Speed up when I want and slam the brakes on when I want and be dead, dead funny. So that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> so Jeff, I gather you've been busy promoting the sequel, which is entitled Unlocking the Kingdom. Can you share a bit of synopsis with our listeners? Sure. I mean, Unlocking the Kingdom uh, is another adventure uh, that puts Hawk again, the main character from the first book, into another mystery. Uh, it takes place, uh, even though it's a standalone book and you don't have to read the first one to read the second one, but um, the book takes place about 18 months after the first one ends, and Hawk is now the chief creative architect of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, so he is, it's, it's an imaginary position that I created for him, uh, but he is the boss, everything's going well, and an unexpected discovery in the Pirates of the Caribbean begins to unravel his world. And it um, turns into a life and death struggle, and he has to figure out a set of complex clues to unlock a secret that uh, Walt himself left, and the byline to the book is unlock what never was to protect what is yet to be, and we go back and look at a lot of this. Disney history, and again, the life of Walt Disney, and some of the things that he did, and some of the plans he made, this time especially for Epcot, and um, and again, a lot of a lot of trivia, and a lot of fun, like the first book, and um, you have to kind of take the book around, and try to figure out the clues with the characters, and so it, it gives you something to do, and I hope you like it, I think I think you will, though, it's a lot of fun. You've done number one, Teach the Kingdom, you've done number two, Unlocking the Kingdom, Number three? Well, uh, yeah, actually there will be, I think. Uh, <laughs> the response has been really good for one and two. And there's a third book that right now is in development. Um, I would say it's safe to say or fair to say that it's in the idea stage. Um, but there are some concepts and already kind of drawing out the roadmaps of how you find the clues and where the clues would be and doing some research into, again, more Disney history and trying to weave that into a storyline that would work in book three. So... Don't have any idea when it will when it will actually hit yet, but it is in development. I've got an ace idea. Absolute fantastic idea. Grayson needs some help, so he calls upon these two English podcasters. Uh-huh, okay. Go and help him. That would that would be that would be perfect. It would be fun. Obviously, we'd have to come on a research trip. Well, yeah, I, 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 I think it, I think it's good reason to come to Florida for a while. And, you know, and books don't get written quickly, so you'd have to come and stay and, and really take your time to really see everything uh, in the resort this time. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, Castaway! It could be stranded on Castaway Cay. Oh my ideas are just going mad. <laughs> it is an endless world out there that can be explored. You know, hey, and that's and that's all. That's all. You know, Disney's so big anymore. I mean, you know, the adventure never ends. I mean, that was some, that was something I was going to ask you, Jeff. I mean, I absolutely adored your first book. I like Michelle. I'm in the middle of rereading it, and I can't wait for the second one. Where do you pull your inspiration for these fantastic ideas in your books? I mean, the second one with the Pirates of the Caribbean just sounds. So tantalizing. Where do you actually pull your inspiration from? 
lucky enough to be able to uh, to have great access here at Walt Disney World, which is why it's a lot easier to write about for me. And um, I just love to go to parks and look around. And, and you know, when you get when you're there enough, and you're not under the pressure of trying to see a million things because you know that you can only stay you know for a couple of days. I have an annual pass, and so um, you know I get the luxury of kind of sitting back and watching people and noticing what they see, and then kind of looking for details and fishing around. And somewhere in the midst of that, I'm one of those guys that will see something, and I start asking, "Well, I wonder why that's there." And this isn't an accident. This is a detail that's important. I wonder what inspired this detail. And a lot of times in digging those kind of things out, uh, you begin to come up with some answers and you can usually find some cast members that will help you. And uh, before you know it, you know, there's there's a lot of ideas that start percolating. And most of them, to be honest with you, don't, nothing happens. I mean, you know, they, don't, they don't end up on paper. But then some of them become big enough to go, you know, this is pretty cool. And um, I would... Uh, I'd like to find out more about this, and and so that's when I start digging into history and trying to find out, uh, you know, Tom actually made it into the park. And then in the second book, I talk about some things that kind of died on the um, on the drawing board, never made it quite off the paper, uh, and and didn't get into the final plans of the park, even though some of them were advertised. And so that was a lot of fun as well. Is there then, if you take a lot of your inspiration from what you see in the parks and the, you watch through other people's eyes? Uh, I mean, there's a particular bench that I like to sit outside of at Tower of Terror because I will never go on Tower of Terror ever, (laughs) but I know that bench very well. Is there a particular spot that you class as your thinking spot in Walt Disney World where you sort of go to sit for a bit of inspiration? Is there a secret Jeff Dixon spot? There There are actually a couple of secret Jeff Dixon spots that if you if you happen to be wandering through the Magic Kingdom and you take a glance over uh, toward me uh, you might you might uh, actually see me sitting there um, I love to sit out on the front porch in the rocking chairs out by Tony's restaurant um, there right there on Main Street also love to sit up at the train station and kind of look down Main Street toward the castle um, I used to like to sit back by Small World and Pinocchio's restaurant up there they used to have a second floor that they would let you in and um, I'd like to sit there and just kind of look out over the carousel and look out over Fantasyland. And then I also am known from time to time to go to the Columbia Harbor House and sit in the restaurant portion that crosses over the street between Liberty Square and Fantasyland. And I'd love to get a window seat there and kind of look out into Liberty Square and see what's going on there. If someone is wanting to get a copy of your book, obviously there's the usual parts of Carl, but I gather on your website now, you're offering a signed copy of your book how can people obtain one of them if they want to make it a little bit special well if if they want a signed copy of the book and they want to visit the website and there's um a number of different web addresses that will get you to the website the easiest one is actually dixonondisney.com d-i-x-o-n dixonondisney.com and if you get there and you just click in that you want to purchase a book directly from the website, um, you can just drop me a note and tell me how you want the book autographed. And um, I would be uh, thrilled to do that and then um, get it shipped off to you. And then, of course, you know, I, the, the usual booksellers, I'm not sure in the U.K. who carries it or who doesn't. But, of course, Amazon and Barnes & Noble always uh, are, are easy easy access points to find the book as well. Are them signed books available for us beautiful British girls? Of course there are, and I will be happy to get those to you. <laughs> I would like to say that I'm going to put all your details um, on our show notes, so if anyone didn't have a few other willing to this, and they want to take up the availability of getting a signed book, which is always makes it a little bit special, 
um, I'll, I'll put your website, your Twitter, and everything on there because there, you've got quite a lot on your website about the books and about what you're up to. You're always tweeting over on Twitter. What's your Twitter name, Jeff? It's Dixon on Disney. Um, and so it's easy, easy to keep up with. You can remember that. You'll, you'll be in good shape. And there's stuff every day that we're tweeting out that has a lot to do with uh, Walt Disney history quotes and things like that. Well, Jeff, just want to say thank you ever so much for joining us on the Minimitsis Disney podcast. And hope to speak to you again real soon. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me, and always a pleasure to talk to you, and look forward to doing it again soon as well. Welcome anytime, Jeff. It's like this, little bridges. Hi, this is Kim, and I have a Keys to the Kingdom fact for you. Jeff Dixon has a fabulous website, www.keytothekingdombook.com, as well as info on his mystery thriller books, Key to Unlocking the Kingdom. Jeff also shares Disney trivia. However, did you know if you wanted to listen to Jeff, he has his own podcast, Dixon and Disney, on which he shares Disney stories. For example, episode 10 shares the story of Walt Workshop of Dreams. Each podcast is around 10 minutes, so go on, give him a listen. You know, I do wonder sometimes what we would do without Kieran. I know, I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know Jeff did a podcast until uh, Kieran came up with it, with his research. And I thought, oh, I'll go listen to that. And do you know what? It's ten minutes of Disney deliciousness that I can download from iTunes and listen to. Hopefully that's after you've downloaded the Mini Minxes podcast. Well, of course, I always have to listen to the Mini Minxes Disney podcast. You unlock this podcast with the key of imagination. Within it is another dimension. A dimension of castles, attractions, and parades. You're moving into a land of wishes and dreams, of a magical place. Into a podcast with fabulous guests and features. A fortnightly show with two Yorkshire girls talking Disney. Yes, that's right. You've just discovered the Mini Meeks Podcast. A Disney Girl Power Podcast from a feminine perspective. Download on iTunes today. Well, whenever I go to Walt Disney World, I am obsessed with the Dole Whip. So if I was going to take you all on a tour of the Magic Kingdom, I'd have to take you to one of the two places you can actually get a Dole Whip from. So I'm taking you to... Adventureland. Welcome to Adventureland. Now, don't be surprised if you hear the roar of a lion or the trumpet of a wild bull elephant, because we're riding through the jungles of Adventureland, one of seven themed lands here at Disneyland. 
As you've already noticed, the atmosphere here is quite a bit different from the land you've just left. Main Street's Victorian-styled buildings have given way to lush jungle greenery and thatched roofed huts of varying shapes and sizes. And the clip-clop of horses' hooves have given way to the rhythmic beats of jungle drums. One of Disneyland's most popular lands, Adventureland is the home of a variety of exciting shops and restaurants, all boasting an Asian, African, or South Pacific theme. So from, from the hub, cross the bridge, sometimes you'll see Peter Pan in this area. The entrance to Adventureland is marked by the wooden bridge. As you enter Adventureland, there's typically character meet and greets to your right, normally pirates. So, as we're going to wander around, let's just review some of the exciting attractions that are there in store for you in Adventureland. Can I just say, as we walk past this character meet and greet, I have never seen Peter Pan, I have never seen any pirates there. Every time I go there, it's either Ariel or Princess Tiana Watsafer. Oh, well, when we was there last year, Kimster, Peter Pan is just before the bridge into Adventureland and he's normally there, if I remember rightly, about 11 o'clock. But you'd have to check your character guide times on either the uh, My Disney Experience app or on the Times Guide. It's an adventure, is that what you're saying? It is. <laughs> There's only one character you can be assured about meeting in Adventureland and we'll come back to her later on in the podcast. Fair enough. But just while we mention Peter Pan, I've got a very unhealthy obsession with Peter Pan recently. Oh no. Not that bloke's picture again, Kim. I told you on the live show, he's not good looking and he wears mascara. Huggy Pan. Huggy Pan is back in Disneyland, California. I am so happy because he, like, disappeared for 12 months, but he is back. <laughs> I keep trying to talk Aaron into letting me go to Disney, California just to meet Huggy Pan, but I ain't having much of it. But you can follow Huggy Pan, well, you can follow a girl who follows Huggy Pan, should I say, on Facebook and on Twitter. I am trying to annoy her because I think she's fab, but... We'll see. We'll see if I can talk it into it. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, put, put away your matches, hide all combustibles, because we're going to start with the first attraction, not necessarily in order of getting to these attractions, but the Enchanted Tiki Room. Amigos, amigos down there, it is me up here. Amigos, Romans, and Disneylanders. Ah, ah, stop walking while I'm squawking. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. It is the world premiere of Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. It is Disney entertainment at its most exciting best kind. You wait for the show right here below me in the Magic Garden where the gods and goddesses perform. Get your tickets right over here for Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. This has been a recording. A show will delight every 15 minutes. Now, yes, they've just recently, last couple of years, revamped the show a little bit. I think it's quite funny 
that when you look at the roof of the building it's actually metal made to look like straw which is quite funny um, but I have to make an admission here Kimster I have not seen the show new one, old one, whatever well I must admit you did surprise me when you said it had been revamped because I did try and interrupt you but you just well ignored me <laughs> I tell you that well yeah it's been revamped back to the old show it's not a revamp revamp well yeah it's a tweakage well I can say I have seen both versions of the Tiki Room and I am in the minority as I always am to say that I much prefer the version that had Yago and Zaruin it's a lovely little show and it's a lovely little show without them two Disney characters. And maybe it's because I wasn't there when it was, you know, one of the classic attractions. But I just think adding them two characters sort of brought it a bit more up to date. And a bit more, you know, with animated films. I like it. But it's not my favourite. But I still make sure I go see it every time. Have you got to stand up to see it? Oh no, you all sat down on benches sort of around this centre centre so you're sort of like similar to the I suppose it is similar to the um layout of Stitch's Great Escape where you sort of sat in a circle. But I'm not gonna get a harness pinning me down to the seat, am I? No harness is pinning you down. Am I gonna get spat at? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think you get spat at. Is it in the dark? There's bits of it that are in the dark but not as pitch black as Stitch, no. So it's not quite stitch like but similar ish. The layout of how you playing <laughs> Miss Tate Young. Okay, I'm in a picky mood. Are you allowed to take a, tr- a snack of your choice in while you're watching the film? Well, it's not a film. Oh, not a film? What is it then? It's like loads of animatronics, Michelle. Ah, well, can I take a snack with me? I don't think you can, because I don't think any snacks are allowed in any Disney attraction, Michelle. As you rightfully know, because didn't you have to look down something before you were allowed in somewhere else? I did, but I'll come back to that later. <laughs> so, no, it is, it, it's it's animatronic birds, and they're basically singing and dancing and talking. I know the song. In the tiki 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 room. Yeah, I know the song, it's just I've not been in the show because we can hear it in the background yeah well what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to get my old Disney planner out for this year's vacation and it's going to be on one of the things I must do I think it should be because everyone should see it at least once yeah well the next attraction <laughs> is another one I've not done I must have I haven't done this either Swiss Family Treehouse now I'm sorry, but in my mind, this is a Disney version of a Stairmaster because it looks hard work. Bearing in mind, I go in August, which is really hot, to walk up all those stairs and wander round. I've just... I know it's based on the film of the same name and I know they used to hide something like paintbrushes or something in it. I've no idea why. But it it don't... it don't grab me enough to make me want to go up and down all those stairs. I must admit, I can't think of anything worse than walking up and down stairs in the <laughs> heat 
and not really getting much out of it. Again, because I, I don't particularly like the book or the film. Um, I don't really... I just think it's a bit outdated, maybe if there was something a bit more interesting. I don't know what you could change it to. I'm sure there's something that you could quite easily change it to, but at the moment, for me, it's... it's I've never done it. There is talk of us doing it in November, but we probably won't because we probably won't be bothered. Do you think they might, if we ask them really nicely, put a Stenna stair lift in for us just to go up and down and see if it's worth doing? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. I just... Maybe if if you if you if you go and do it, you give yourself a reward as a, as a favourite ice Disney treat afterwards, and that might work as a carrot and donkey type of carrot donkey stick thing to get me to go up the stairs. Possibly, but I don't I don't know. It's just I mean, have you have you seen the film? Yeah, unfortunately, lost two hours of my life watching the film. It's not the bestest of films, is it, really? Not really, no. Not a very exciting film. But then I suppose back then they were all the rage for them kinds of Disney films. Well, true. True. But, I don't know, I mean, do you know, even, do you know how many stairs there is? About 300, isn't there? I about that, isn't there? I just can't. Yeah, it sounds like too much hard work. Do you know, it's a type of attraction you'd say to one of your kids and say, oh, look, it's the most amazing attraction ever. I'm going to time you, see how quick you can go up the stairs and down the stairs five times to wear them out so they're not so hyper. Interesting fact for you, though, Michelle, is you know the tree that's in the middle of that? Oh, it's got a special type of tree, isn't it? Go on, carry on. I don't know if it's a special kind of tree, but it's actually made of steel, concrete, and... The name of the tree that the Swiss Family Treehouse is surrounding is given the joking tree species name of a Disneyodendron Semperflorens grandis. Basically, in me and thee language, a large, ever-blooming Disney tree. And that is because, as Kim, you rightly said, they're not real leaves. Right, so, so far, we've been in a room that's a bit like Stitch's Great Escape, but not, and you don't get spat out and you can't eat a doll whip, and it's animatronics with very catchy music. Then we've, then we've done a jolly good workout going to walk around a film set. She don't know, does she? I know. Right. So what's next? Quickly, you can't haze over the enchanted tiki rooms like that. I just did. It's the attraction that used audio animatronics. Show it a little bit of respect, Michelle. I'm going to try it myself, and until I try it for myself, I can't worship it. I'm not asking you to worship it, just a little bloody respect, woman. Alright, I am respectful of the tiki room, and I will then be able to be nasty about it when I've seen it. I don't want the tiki gods to come after you. Oh, I think I, I um, got rid of my tiki god. Well, you'll get I, enough. I, I, I upgraded it on the Final Nation trading page and I think I got a mini robot instead. Because that's really upgrading. <laughs> <laughs> Go 
Go on, tell me about the next attraction. Well, the next attraction is everyone's favourite, the Jungle Cruise. If by now you've managed to stop singing like the birdies sing, we'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you to the Jungle River Cruise. It compacts into a ten-minute experience the highlights, the mystique, and the excitement of a true-to-life adventure that could only be duplicated through weeks and months spent in the great outdoors. Covering the Jungle Cruise's five-acre waterways in sturdy boats, guests place themselves in the trusted hands of outspoken guides as they creep down rivers rarely traveled by the civilized world. Of course, we don't want to spoil your fun by telling you everything you're about to experience. Besides, we think you'll find that your trusted guide will leave few things to your imagination, since he's got a smart remark for just about everything. On here, you hop on board for a cruise down several rivers of Asia, Africa and South America. It has a lot of in-house gags in the ride and on the queue prior to boarding with replica tramp steamers. And we voyage past quite a few more of those audio animatronic jungle animals. I love the queue there, I really do. Why, what's, what do you like so much about the queue? It's just so, it really does immerse you before you get onto the ride. And you, If you look at the details, the queue barriers actually are very sort of jungle-esque with it being proper rope and big firm wooden posts and this like little hook that the person's going to be collecting the tickets from and there's the crates, etc. It just, it just makes me feel like I'm about to go on a cruise back in, back in the day. Oh, good, because I think that's the whole idea of it, Michelle. It is indeed. My favourite, though, mm. and I found this out when I did the um, Keys to the Kingdom tour, yeah. are the Headhunters. Now, I love it when we go up to the Headhunters, because if you listen careful, they say something to those Headhunters, and they actually say, I love disco, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> oh, dear. But don't you just love the carny jokes? Well, I'm kind of lucky in the respect of not only have I had the normal spiel one night, and it was actually the night that, um, or the day that Aaron proposed to me, to be fair, we were the only two people on a particular cruise. And the cast member must have been feeling very bored that night <laughs> because he said to us, would you like the normal narration, or please can I try out this new one? So obviously, because we'd been on it before, we went, oh yeah, do a new one, we aren't right bothered. And this new one, I'm not joking, was the most X-rated <laughs> jungle cruise that I have ever been on. I, I can't share some of the jokes on here because they were really, really, you know, rude, but it was really funny, and the cast member was really good, and... But um, yeah, that that was something that you know would never be repeated again. But it was really good. But an interesting fact that he did actually share with us was, you know, you know where the hippo pool is. Yeah. You can see a bit of aeroplane. Yeah. Did you know the other half of that aeroplane is actually in the great movie ride? Oh, it is, isn't it? They mm. cut it in half, didn't they? Mm-hmm. In the Casablanca scene. Oh. So he, he did give me some useful information, but 
it was more about what Pocahontas was doing with them headhunters, but never mind, let's move <laughs> swiftly on <laughs> from that. I also know with a little bit of research that there are actually 15 vehicles, but with a maximum of 10 of them in operation at any one time. Yeah, you can't get them too close to each other, it'll turn in the jungle bumper crews. That'd be quite cool, get a bit more excitement. Isn't there a lawsuit going on at the moment in one of the other Disney parks about this woman who claims she fell out of the boat or was jarred when the boat, I don't know, sort of left oh, its runner because we all know, spoiler alert, that it's a wheel under the boat that's going through like this cutout in the concrete base. And I'm sure she was trying to sue Disney over some alleged whiplash or something. What, you mean it ain't really floating? Well, obviously it's floating, darling. It's on water, but the ca- the captains aren't actually steering no way. as such. I thought they were. Bless your cotton socks. I'll tell you something else that you might not know. Our old Walt wanted live animals. Now, how good would that have been? Because <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the audio. Especially on... if you get to crocodiles and there's a kid annoying you off boat, you could just push them over. <laughs> No, because I do love this ride, and it is a classic, but come on. It's beginning to show its age a bit now, isn't it? I think it needs a little bit of a paint job. Well, not only a paint job, it needs a whole overhaul, if you ask me. Mm. It, it, it is showing its age. I think I think it needs a little bit of a shutdown for a while. A little bit of a dust and polish, a little bit of a resparklination. Should we stitchify it? No. Ah, oh, why not? Because you just stick stitch on every single attraction <laughs> in Walt Disney World just to make it more kimmyific. Oh, I like that word. Hey, I tell you, I'm making them all up tonight. So, go on then, where are we going next after we've just completely shut down the Jungle Cruise and upset a lot of people? Well, I have actually been on the Jungle Cruise and I do I do have a couple of cruises every every holiday. But I'm back to another ride I've not actually been on. Blimey neck, have you ever been to Adventureland? You just walk through it straight to Dole Whips. Spend all my time eating Dole Whips and riding yeah. on pirates. <laughs> um, basically, the magic carpets of Aladdin. Ah, oh, right, yeah. Now, basically, it's the same ride mechanism as the Flying Dumbo, which we now have, obviously have over in New Fantasyland with the dual spinners. Mm-hmm. But instead of riding on an elephant, mm-hmm. you ride on a rug for four. Mm-hmm. Now, it opened in 2001, mm-hmm. where you fly over Agrabah on your enchanted carpet. Now, you can control whether you go up, whether you go down, the same way as you do in Dumbo. It's not a particularly long ride. It kind of gives some nice views of Adventureland, I imagine. Um, but basically, for me personally, I think the addition of this attraction some, what, 12 years ago, it clutters that part of Adventureland because it makes progress through Adventureland really difficult because I've got to not only dodge the spitting camel, then I've got to dodge the gorpers who gorp at the spitting camel, making fun of all the kids trying to drink the dirty water. Then I've got to dodge more kids who are trying to dig the fake gems out of the concrete. So, I'm not a lover of it, I'm afraid. No, you don't say. <laughs> oh, well, Michelle, you you know, you hid that extremely well. 
suppose if more people ride the magic carpets of Aladdin, the queue for pirates will be shorter, so I'm quite happy. Now, now I haven't been on the magic carpets because I don't have kids, though I am told by my friends that you don't need to have kids, so I may venture on it in November. But my thoughts about it are this. It is a nice little kids ride, and you know, you're flying on the magic carpets. Why couldn't they have put some sort of similar now to what I suppose what they've done with Dumbo in a way but why can't we have it inside and then project like the knights of Agrabah on the ceiling so it's like you're flying do you know through Agrabah at night don't you think oh, that'd be better be you know and then you know all the stars are sparkling and you can have whole new world playing and I don't know maybe it's just me and maybe kids think oh god that's rubbish but I think it'd be nice to have been some sort of domed area with 360 degree television projection screens or whatever they wanted to do it, projecting the Knights of Agrabah myself, with a whole new world playing in the background. We've got a dark ride there in Adventureland. Oh, I think That's it'd well. be. I think it'd be nice. I mean, in Disneyland Paris, they've got like a walkthrough of Aladdin with different sort of Aladdin scenes and that's really nice you know he sort of retells the story of Aladdin with some sort of models but the atmosphere and because it's inside is just really nice now maybe you could have that leading into the ride and then for it to open up into the ride so you've got your interactive queue element while everybody's looking at the scenes and stuff and then you go on the ride afterwards which is in this dome there you go Disney can have that one for free. And I'll let you have it, Kim, on the one provisor mm. that they move it away from the area it's in at the moment because it clutters everything up. I think you'd have to move it anywhere with the sort of size of building works that I'm wanting to do. Oh, God. <laughs> we could just, um, you know what we could do? We could just flatten Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse thing and build a manual adding attraction bulldoze it and just build it there and then you've got plenty of space well go on then tell us about an another attraction kimster well we're now going on to everybody's favorite attraction in adventureland i bet pirates of the caribbean now there's new fun and excitement waiting for you at disneyland the opening of a magic kingdom's most exciting new attraction Pirates of the Caribbean. Yo ho, yo ho, pirates fight for me. Join the fun and excitement of Disneyland's newest and greatest attraction. An entirely new kind of family entertainment. Pirates of the Caribbean. An audio animatronic experience you'll never forget. See it now at Disneyland. Pirates of the Caribbean. This is a bit different because mostly attractions are based on films. Whereas on this occasion we've had a series of films based on this attraction. It is indeed. Ooh. The attraction was there, then they did the films, and then they added the Captain Jack Sparrow into the into the ride. Which I don't agree with, to be fair, but, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll save that for the end, but... Um, you can't complain about Johnny Depp in anything, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I know you could add him to any attraction in Walt Disney World and it would improve it. 
He's a bit freaky looking in this, in my opinion, but... Well, I'd want the real live one. I wouldn't want some animatronic, but never mind. But obviously with new... Well, there's recently been a fourth one, and I'm sure there'll be a fifth one. Um, This ride still attracts the queues. Um, though with approximately 30 people per boat, to be fair, you're not really queuing for that long. Most of the time, for me, it is a walk-on. Um, twisting and turning through the indoor queue, as me and Aaron call it, hiking through unnecessary queue areas and not paying any attention and trying to walk as fast as we can because people behind us are walking as fast as we can and we don't want them to overtake us because we want our place in the queue. So everyone walks really fast and pays no attention to what's around them. Oh. Bit like me then. <laughs> don't you think though that if somebody's behind you, you walk faster and then they walk faster and you don't want them to overtake you? Well, it's it's da- it's down to that bit British mentality, really, isn't it? You're not overtaking me. I'm in the queue. I'm before you. Don't you dare go in front of me. I just think this ride has too much of a queue area. That's my opinion. It just it goes on for ages. Maybe, though, when there are really, really, really busy days, when it does get up to a good 60-minute wait, that they do actually need that area, because I've seen them queuing outside when I've been. Oh, well, that's because you go in August. True. But once you have either queued for an hour, like Michelle, or walked 10 miles to it, like what I have to do, you board a dark boat ride, which tells you a story. But I didn't know, till I'd done the research that the queue forks into soldiers or pirates. Shall I tell you something else about the queue? Go on then. Well, when we took Kieran, um, Kieran has a guest assistance card because it has sensory issues with regards to queuing. Mm. So he would have really struggled with that particular attraction because it was dark. Um, he wouldn't be able to see the walkway, it, it would have made him feel really claustrophobic and it would have ca- basically stressed him out quite a great deal. So it was on his guest assistance card about this, so we showed the cast member and he took us in the back entrance to the attraction, which was up the side through a gate and in a back door and we basically walked straight on. It was just such a weird way of going backstage to get onto the ride. <laughs> So do you love the ride then, Kim? No, I don't love it, but I suppose it is my favourite attraction in Adventureland. And I've said before, though, I do prefer Disneyland Paris's version to Florida's version. However, I am told that there are mermaids being added to the Florida attraction. Yes, I've seen pictures. I can't wait to see it in person. That'll be really interesting to see that. Well, while we're talking of uh, pirates, and uh, there's a nice little link in because we have Captain Jack Sparrow's pirate tutorial held throughout the day. It's an ace way of blocking everyone else's path through Adventureland. But if you do have people who like pirates, it's a pretty good way to spend 15, 20 minutes. Is this not just a rip-off of the Jedi show in MGM Studios? I don't know which one came first, whether it was the pirate show or the Jedi one. I don't know. I've never really seen the whole show because I've normally just walked past or caught the other ten minutes. Because normally, I'm not that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we not included, Kim, on attractions? 
Well, I can't believe you've forgotten this next one, you and your fascination with this character. <gasps> Go on, tell us. You've actually missed, and I've never been yet, to Tinkerbell's Nook. But I believe there are huge queues for this, Michelle. Oh. You're gonna Tinkerbell ex- and her Nook. You're going to expect, what, at least a 40-minute wait? As standard, yes. As standard? Can you not get a fast pass? No. I don't understand why it's called a Nook. Because that's like a nook, in it. Yeah, but what is a nook? Well, it's like a little, a little secret place, a little yeah, nook. But it, it's an it's what used to be an eatery that's been turned into and dressed as a fairy glade. Yeah, but Tinkerbell lives in a nook, a little secret place where you're going to her little secret place. Hang on a minute, we're sounding a bit like Disaster Dark now talking about <laughs> these secret places. Can we move on, please? But, um, this is where you're definitely not allowed to take any food or drink. No, you're not. Unless you have uh, a, a good way of disguising it. Now, believe it or not, people, you're allowed to eat an open bag of crisps, but you can't drink a Dole Whip float in this queue. No. I think we should storm the gates at Disney's and protest. Oh, I don't feel that strongly about it. Well, I do. Well, you protest. I'll protest. I'll sneak in my dull whips and eat them in secret. So have you met Tinkerbell? I have. I met um, Tinkerbell last year. It is a beautiful... Um, I must say, it is one of the nicest meet and greet areas. It far outshines um, the princess one at Town Square Theatre. It is just what you would expect from um, a fairy glade. It is beautiful and you do get your time for your character interaction because you're not even allowed round the corner until it's your virtually your turn. So they are quite generous with that. The only little grumble I'm going to have, and I have this quite a lot with character meet and greets, is that if you're a cute little six-year-old Tinkerbell fan, you do seem to be getting a little bit more time than your cute, attractive, gorgeous, amazing, fabulously funny 42-year-old Tinkerbell fans. But, you know, that's just down to me. So, I do have a bit of a, a tip here, and I must admit, I've nicked this tip from my friend who's obsessed with Puggy Pan, just like me. <laughs> if you are an adult and you, you you feel like when you go to these meet and greets you don't get as much attention as maybe, like Michelle says, a six-year-old, and your budget or creativity allow, give them a present and watch how they react. Because <gasps> especially Tinkerbell. I have seen Tinkerbell on YouTube get different things and they do interact and they do react to the gifts that you give them now obviously you know don't go out and buy them an ipad i'm saying <laughs> you know i'm saying you know like a little thing like i don't know a homemade sewing or something that's tinkerbellish you know i don't know a pin with tinkerbell or not look at youtube fridays at the moment that I'm, I'm somebody made tinkerbell a bag i think and she really likes that because she could put all the bits that she found in her bag and stuff. So they interact with me in that way. Um, and it just might help the character, obviously, interact with an adult. Cause I suppose it's a bit hard for them to interact with just adults. 
But yes, top five day. I'm, I'm gonna get in my pen ready. I'm writing it on my t- on my list. It's definitely I'm something that I'm going to try. So you're going to be taking something for Stitch? No, I'm actually going to be taking Peter Pan a thimble. A thimble? Because if you remember in the film Peter Pan, when Wendy wants a kiss from Peter, or when she goes to kiss Peter, he thinks the thimble's a kiss. Oh. So you want a snog Peter Pan? Depends what it looks like. Hell yeah, I've got this sick obsession with Peter Pan at the moment. <laughs> it ain't good. Oh, God. But yeah, that's you know, just All a... this talk of all these attractions is making me want to go and spend my Disney dollars. Where can I go to, to buy some lovely theme park tats? Well, the first thing that you can do is you can go to the Pirates League, which is right by Pirates of the Caribbean, and for about 29 to 95 to $40... Dependent on what package you go for and what mood Disney are in, dependent on what season it is, you can be turned into a pirate or a mermaid. Plus, if you've still got some spare money after that, you can pay them even more money and you can get your picture done. Not before... How cool is that? But just hang on a minute, Michelle. Don't be thinking that you're going to be given like a $200 mermaid tail to wear. It's not really a whole outfit. More think of a makeover with accessories. Do you know what I found out, though? I got really giddy about this. I thought, fantastic, I can be a mermaid, I can be a pirate. It's for kids. Oh, dear. I want to be a pirate! Yes, this is when people usually turn away and run from Michelle. (laughs) Okay, so you can't be a pirate, Michelle, but you could go to the next shop and buy... Some dress-up items? Oh, yes, I could go to the Island Supply that sells clothing, hats, grass skirts, lace or jewellery. Or I could even pop back to Agrabah Bazaar. More clothing, but costumes for kids. And it's (laughs) the best place for your Aladdin-themed goodies. Then there's also House of Treasure, along with Pirate's Bazaar selling all piratey stuff. Now, I haven't really been to any of the shops in this area, I must admit. Well, when I say I haven't been in, I've obviously gone through the shop at the end of Pirates of the Caribbean, because you're forced to. But other than that, I can't really think of any of the sh- I certainly didn't know that Agrabah Bazaar was the best place for Aladdin stuff. You see, this is where, going in August, you get to know your shops really well. Because most afternoons, between 2 to 5, you're likely to get a little bit of rainfall. And this is when you go and try and pass the time as best as you can, either in the nearest shop or on the nearest attraction. And I have spent many an hour stuck in one of these shops looking at assorted crap until (laughs) the rain isn't as bad as it was before. Or just for a few minutes while I quickly put on my rain mac and go back out in the rain. So I have had a, quite a, a lot of time to walk around this area. And I do think it's very samey. I mm. think you could quite easily get wood, rid of one of the shops and put the tat in one of the others. Will you stop? Maybe have just one piratey shop 
and one Aladdin shop. Stop calling it and then it's not that's sort of enough. It's not Blackpool. Stop calling it cat. <laughs> oh, come on. You go and wander around that piratey shop and you see the tap they're trying to sell. Seriously, <laughs> love. Well, to be fair, I'm too busy going around food places to go in any of shops. Oh, go on then. What are you going to treat me to first? Well, everyone's favourite shop, I both think, in Adventureland is a lower aisle. Yay! Where there you can have two pineapple spears for $3.29 or you can have a dining plan credit but Michelle yeah why would you want to spend a credit on some pineapple well I know but I tend to spend my dining credits on stuff that costs about $5 which is getting the most out of my dining plan yeah, but why would you want fruit <laughs> when you can have ice cream Oh, and also, really, if you go to Walmart, I'm sure you could pick up a whole pineapple for two dollars. Why are you going to pay three dollars <laughs> twenty nine? You can get chips for two dollars sixty nine, and <gasps> and a Does it come with scraps and a chip butter? Well, I, th- I think the Americans mean crisps, Michelle. So not a chip butter. Not a chip butter. But it is. Nah. But you can use a snack credit if you want a pack of crisps. All right then, but I won't. You can have a Dole Whip, which is soft serve ice cream, and you can have pineapple, orange, or vanilla, and that's three pounds seventy nine. But also a snap credit on the dining plan. Three pounds seventy nine. Well, three dollars seventy nine. You know what I mean? You're putting the prices up, love. Sorry, three dollars seventy nine. Now, what everybody raves about, and I'm afraid I must admit, I've never had. <gasps> is a pineapple float, which is pineapple juice with pineapple, orange or vanilla Dole Whip. And that is $4.99 or a snack credit on the dining plan. Good value. You can then get a Coke or Root Beer Vanilla Soft Serve Float for $4.49 or a snack credit on the dining plan, plus assorted beverages from soda to tea. Seriously, why join the mega long queue when you can go elsewhere? Leave a lower aisle for the Dole Whip devotees. Too flipping right. It really bugs me because it takes so long to get served at a lower aisle. You know, seriously, I heard another podcaster joke the other week. If they want a a Dole Whip and they're in Adventureland, it's quicker for them to go out of the park, get on the monorail... Go to the Polynesian, go to Captain Cook's, get a doll whip and go back to Magic Kingdom. And they'd be still queuing in the queue at a lower aisle. You know, people go there to buy water. Go to the flipping other stalls. Leave a lower aisle just for pineapple doll whip floats. And you know, I think that's probably what has stopped me from going there. Because every time I go past there, the queue is just... I think, well, I can't love a queue and uh, it's, it's it's silly because it's not that even people who don't know what they want you join the queue and you don't know what you want it sells dull whips people make your mind up we might not know about dull whips michelle don't be too harsh listen to our podcast and we will convert <laughs> you <laughs> anyway nuts to you kim oh that's nice <laughs> i'm talking about the adventureland nut cart 
this is where people should be going and getting stuff, leaving the lower aisle for the likes of me. You can basically buy nuts, but the only nuts normally that are listed on the menu are almond nuts in a cinnamon glaze, which sound disgusting. And that'll set you back $4.75 or a credit on your dining plan. So it's one of those better credits that you could use up. You can kind of argue that almonds are healthy, that they are full of those lovely protein and B12 vitamins. Alas, the cinnamon glaze is going to add on 10 billion calories, but hey-ho. Lots of drinks and desserts for around $3.75. Now, this is that place as well. It sells that Rudy Doody dessert. There is no way to eat this dessert without looking Rudy Doody. Yes, I'm talking about the chocolatey, nutty banana frozen thing. $3.75. Have you ever had one of them, Kim? Why do I? Why is it Rudy Doody? It just looks Rudy Doody. Why does it look Rudy Doody? Have you ever seen a picture of anyone eating one? No. Is it Rudy Doody shaped? Yeah! Oh dear. Oh well. That's something for the Kimsters hit list then, obviously. I don't, like I don't see the point of a frozen banana, personally. If I want a banana, I'd get a proper banana that isn't frozen. I don't like And nuts. covered in chocolate and nuts and... I don't like nuts. But, hey-ho, where else are you taking me then, Kim? I don't like nuts. You don't like nuts? Well, you can hardly pick them off, because you, you know, there's ig- some nuts left in the chocolate. You're ignoring me a lot tonight. What's up with you? I'm ignoring I can't hear you, love. Speak uh, up. Bloody hell, how much louder do you want me to be? Oh, God, no. Don't go to Yorkshire level. So, Kim doesn't like nuts. No. So, so she's not going to be having a chocolate nutty banana frozen thing. I'm not going to be having one because they look rudy doody. So, I'm still hungry. I've had me, I can't get my dole whip because there's 27 people in front of me in queue waiting to buy a cold tea. So, where else can I try? Right, well, your next stop is going to be the egg roll cart, which serve drinks, chips or crisps to us, and, of course, the signature snack of an egg roll. But, Michelle, this is an egg roll a la Greg's. Ah, okay. This is what you and me would call a spring roll, and at the price of $2.50 for two, or a ridiculously expensive snack on the dining plan credit, do you think it's worth it, really? Well, I've never tried one of these egg rolls, but I've heard people absolutely rave about them. So, I'm going to have to try one, obviously not using a snack credit. Um, I, I did get a bit confused when it's called egg roll, because I, di- I basically expected an egg mayonnaise sandwich. Well, I thought you might which is why I thought I'd let you know that it's not an egg mayo sandwich. But I can also tell you that, curiously, Dan Sunny Water is also $2.50. Or for a dollar more, Michelle, you can get Glacier Water. Oh, is it really worth that extra dollar? Is Glacier Water, like, from an ice glacier? Yeah. Like, from Antarctica? <laughs> I presume so. Where, like, the polar bears live? Oh, God, it's got polar bear pee in it. Oh. That's why it's an extra dollar, because you're <laughs> the polar bear wee. <laughs> I wonder if, what colour it is. 
bits then if it's if it's glacier water we've added polar bear pee if it's gonna be like a yellowy colour I wonder if this is Santa Claus's own brewed water from his own <laughs> spring maybe that's why we pay a dollar more it could well be it's special Santa water that's what you have to say to the kids <laughs> to make sure they don't want soda and they drink water this is Santa water oh dear Oh, heaven. Right, Michelle, no, we don't want egg rolls or water. Well, do you know what? Last year saw the triumphant return to the Sunshine Tree Tavern of a new or old treat. Yes, the Citrus Swirl. So pop along to the Sunshine Tree Tavern. Again, there are chips. Alas, not the type you need Tommy care for. $2.69 $2.69 or buy you a bag of crisps. Dreamy desserts, cookies to the orange slushness, vanilla soft serve, a.k.a. the citrus swirl, for a bargain, $3.19. Now, I personally prefer the much sweeter Dole Whip. I find the citrus side a little bit too sharp, but hey-ho. You can get all sorts of root beer floats, you can get tea, coffee, cocoa, sodas. They also have a new introduction, natural lemonade with wild berry foam for $3.59. Now, we seem to have, over the last sort of year, a big influx, starting with Disneyland, now over with Walt Disney World, of adding foam to drinks. Don't know the point. It all started with cookery, where they had all these tiny little creations on a plate which wouldn't even fill a sparrow, covered it in a foam and called it haute cuisine and charged it 80 quid for. Now they're doing it to drinks. Up north, where I come from, they call this stuff bitter and on the top it's got a good head. So, I just don't get it. Sorry. Is this where this orange bird comes from? Yes, the orange bird has been returned to the Sunshine Tree Tavern because it was found in a drawer or something of an Imagineer or somewhere, blah de blah de blah. Sunshine Tree Tavern done. Tell me about the other tavern. Well, I would do if I could pronounce it. You always give me the hard ones to pronounce. Would you like me to pronounce it for you? Yes, please. Right, well... This is an example of Disney theming, because where do they sail to? In the films, they sail to Tortuga, and here we have the Tortuga Tavern. Finally, a counter service that serves a meal. Woohoo! It includes beef nachos, a burrito, Caesar salad, or veggie burritos. It has gelato or chocolate cake, and all the basic drinks. And entrees will set you back from about $7.09. And you can fill up at the salad bar. Kids meals are around $5.99. However, it never seems to be open. (laughs) Yeah, I was speaking to a friend of mine the other night about this place when I was doing my research. And seemingly, since January, it's not opened yet. Oh. It's... Every August I've been, I've never seen it, seen it open. It was open when I went April. Obviously, it was Easter, so it was a really busy time. 
and I managed to go and I thought, oh, I've got to go here, I've got to go here, it's open, it's going to be amazing, really traditional food, it looks fabulous. And I was, to this day, I am still haunted by the blandness of that meal. It didn't have a kick to it, it didn't have any taste to it, it didn't have anything, it was just, yeah. It was good then. Well, I'm glad it's always shut, put it that way. Yeah. Well, Michelle, after that raving review of that restaurant, is there anything other than what we've mentioned that you would like to change or improve in Adventureland before we leave? Um, well, I think I'm with you with the whole let's bomb Aladdin of Agrabah and move it somewhere else, preferably let's get rid of the tree house and put, put it over there. Um, I personally can't think of anything else that I would add to this area apart from a fast pass for Tinkerbell's Nook. Mm-hmm. Then I can get to see her a bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, and obviously a specialised queue just for me for when I want a doorway. Is there any Disney film that you feel deserves of attraction that would fit well in this area? Uh, Adventureland. I can think of an obvious one. Go on then. Jungle Book. Now I'm the king of the swingers, babe, jungle VIP. Um, yeah, I love that film. I just feel that that area is perfect for the Jungle Book. However, there isn't really any references that I can think of to the Jungle Book in that area. I tell you, there will be. We're going to shut down Tortuga Tavern and we're going <laughs> to open Mowgli's Mouthwatering Melts and it's going to be a place where you can get your toasted <laughs> Paninis and flatbreads. See, I've just I've got rid of Tortuga Tavern, brought in Jungle Book. We've got a nice counter service that's going to be open. That people love. Who doesn't love a toasted sandwich? Well, I was thinking, or as well as that idea, because it's very good. Why, when we sort of said that Jungle Cruise needed a bit of updating, what do you think to a Jungle Book Jungle Cruise? We could have a, a, a Mowgli, a Louie, a Baloo, Shea Khan could pop out from somewhere, the snake, whose name escapes me, could swing down the tree. <laughs> and do you know what they give you before you bought the boat? Go on. A Rudy Doody chocolate nook of <laughs> banana. <laughs> Oh dear. On that thought, Kieran, please come and save us and give give us your six pence worth of Adventureland knowledge. Quick. Hi, this is Kieran and I have an Adventureland fact for you. Adventureland came about because of the 1950s post-war tiki craze. Whilst it heralds back to, to its Polynesian roots, the, the version presented in the parks is an American version. Adventureland in WDW is split into the Arabian Village and the Caribbean Plaza. You can also find Adventurelands in Tokyo, California and Paris. 
Though Tokyo is more Hawaiian themed and Paris is more Indian slash Moroccan. However, the biggest is at Hong Kong. Shanghai will have an Adventureland too, so it'll be more interesting to hear more about it once it opens in December 2015. So, Michelle, speaking of segment, do we have a Mixy Michelle question? No, we have two. Ah, we have two. I am just going to sound all beneficial and I will read them out to you. Go for it. We have a question from a Miss K. Goodwin. Woo! And Miss K. Goodwin asks, where could she get cornbread? Well, do you know, it's about time this question got answered. I only <laughs> asked it about 12 months ago. Well, my ability to answer this question has been brought to you by Turing Plans. Turing Plans have now added something to their amazing collection of fantastic goodies. Whether you're a subscriber on their website and you can log in and use the website to find food items or whether you pay either 99 cents if you're in the US or £1.49 in the UK you can download this app and it is absolutely fab because you can look at different restaurants and look at the menus or you can type in a particular food that you'd like to sample while in Walt Disney World and it'll tell you where you can get it. So I was speaking to, to the lovely Scarlet from Turing Plans. She was telling me all about it so I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. So I typed in cornbread, you know, looking for Kimster's needs. First and foremost, didn't even think to look for something back for me. <laughs> and it came up. So, Kimmy, I've got good news and bad news for you about cornbread. Okay. First of all, can I just say, you didn't do any research. You typed it into a box, but carry on. I researched the app. No, you got told about the app, But then I researched <laughs> on the app when I was using it. Right, so, you can find cornbread as a snack. It Good. comes along with smoked beef brisket, collard greens, and jalapeno cornbread at $6.75. It's a snack credit on the dining plan, making it very good value. But alas, it's only available during the Flower and Garden Let's Rip Off the Food and Wine Festival. So, seems you're not there at the moment. No. And I've also had feedback saying that the snack wasn't very nice anyway. That wasn't for you. So I did a little bit more investigation. You mean you read further down the page? Too right, I did. <laughs> the, the lovely downtown Disney, yeah. or whenever it's been tiggified and made into Disney Springs, I don't know. Baby Cakes NYC have got listed for $3.65 cornbread. <laughs> Do I deliver or what? I have the ability to search on this app, so I personally will perform weekly checks on your behalf and update you prior to your holidays on whether any other eateries offer as a counter-service snack cornbread. But for the moment, your best bet, Kimster, Downtown Disney, Baby Cakes. Although, can I just say, the plans for Downtown Disney turning into Disney Springs. There is a rumour saying the Polo Campero building that Baby Cakes is in is going to be flattened and then they're going to open up somewhere else in Disney Springs, but I haven't any confirmation of that as we speak. Oh dear, but not so much, yay, because I wanted some cornbread in the park. Well, you could go to downtown Disney, get some, and take it on a bus 
and eat it in a pan. I'm not impressed, Michelle. Well, I'm, I'm trying my best here. I'm hoping <laughs> by the time you go in November, cornbread will be available as a counter-service snack. Bear in mind, cornbread is a big staple of the Thanksgiving meal, so it might just pop up in one or two eateries. Which is why, you know, I thought that Liberty Tree Tavern might have cornbread, which I know is not a counter-service. But they do. But do they, do they serve cornbread with their meal, though? I thought they served some other type of bread thing. I'm sure when we went in as a staff, they brought us that. If not, boat rights at Port Orleans Riverside Resort do bring you cornbread as a starter. Yeah, but I'm not going there. Alright then, shall I do me other question? You do your other question because I'm quickly researching whether Liberty Tree Tavern do cornbread. <laughs> okay, well we have a question from Perry and Craig Lucas. Ooh. And they say... We are planning to go all Disney next year, hopefully with some free Disney dining. But they can't decide where to stay. We need your help. Can you give us some advice on whether to stay at Port Orleans or Caribbean Beach? What are the pros and cons of both locations? Given the choice, where would you both choose? So you have to listen here, Kim, because you have to make a decision at the end. I've already made my decision. Okay, well, I'm going to stick my two pen a thing then. All right, follow Port Orleans Riverside, or French Quarter, has 3,056 rooms. Having stayed there, I love the feel of it. The only downside is, in the summer months, particularly July and August, it is absolutely cramp-packed of us bricks. Whether you view that as a good thing or a bad thing, I'll leave that up to yourself. I quite like the feel of it, as it wasn't in-your-face Disney, as some of the value resorts are, like, you know, going round out of animation, it is really in-your-face Disney, with giant-size cars, etc. So, for me, it gave me a little bit of escapism, but with the Disney touches. Um, however, if you are planning to drive to and from parks, this is a bit of a tricky one. It was so easy to get lost. Now, it's classed as being in the downtown Disney area. It is quite spread out, and the rooms have two different feels. There's Alligator Bayo or Magnolia Bend. To me, Alligator Bayo looks a bit like Tenko, a bit like a prison camp, basically. It just doesn't look very good and comfy at all. We stayed in Magnolia Bend, and it was a beautiful room. Twin sinks, twin large beds, table area, nice big fridge, flat screen TV, wardrobing, safe, everything you could want. For an additional amount, you can upgrade to a royal room, which your princesses, Carrie and Craig, will absolutely adore. There's a nice little boat trip that takes you down along the other resorts on the Sasagula River all the way to downtown Disney, which I must say we did that on the first night when we arrived off our flight. It was about half past six at night and we went on the boat down to downtown Disney to Earl of Sandwich and it was a really nice start to our holiday. Now you gave me another option. You gave Caribbean Beach. Now, originally, not many people may know this, it was a deluxe resort, but then it was downgraded to a moderate. It offers a tropical island feel beachfront location with optional room upgrades to pirate style, 2,112 rooms, so a lot smaller than Port Orleans Riverside and French Quarter. 
Again, it is spread out from the main pub. The main selling point for me personally of this resort would be its locality, as it's near to the parks and the areas I spend a lot of my time, such as Epcot, Boardwork and Disney's Hollywood Studio, all of which are available via the boat craft as well as foot or buses. Apart from the pirate field rooms, the resort has not been refurbished for a while. Many guests who've been there and tweeted to me said they think it is desperately in need of a refurb. Financially, Caribbean Beach does tend to come up a tad cheaper. Typically, a two-week break about £240 or about $400. Sometimes you may snag a Disney dining plan quick service as part of your reservation but whilst you are getting the dining for free the actual room rate is rack rate which is the highest you can pay so my decision now i've given you the information as i've stayed at port orleans i would like to stay at caribbean beach because it's somewhere new and i like to try new things so personally i would go with caribbean beach but mainly because of its location and the fact it's a bit cheaper rather than anything else if you are wanting the theming and to enjoy the resort itself then i'd say go for port orleans hope that helps what do you think kimmy well basically i would say for certain out of the two i would pick port orleans every time like you've said the theming is far more superior than what i think it is at caribbean beach I've too heard not very good things about Caribbean Beach, about it needing a bit of a spruce up and a bit of paint and a bit of modernising. But not only that, Craig, if you can get into the, as Michelle said, the royal rooms at Port Orleans, your two little girls will feel like they've died and gone to heaven because the little touches in their rooms are amazing. They're so good. I mean... I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but they are, I mean, they are expensive, but they are really good and they're wealthy, and I think worth the money. But even if you can't spring for one of the royal rooms, the area where Michelle stayed in, that's just as nice, and the area is so lovely. Yeah, absolutely stunning rooms. Um, and the convenience of the boat to downtown Disney, to me, makes it win for me hands down. I mean not only that as well, you've got the fiction, you've got the entertainment of Yeehaw Bob there. Yeah, that's another reason to make you want to stay in Caribbean Beach. Well that's your opinion. <laughs> people disagree with you. And also you get the carriage rides from there as well, which obviously you don't at Caribbean Beach. Oh yeah they can but it's always nice, you know, to have them at the resort where you're staying so you won't got as fast travel. And I just don't like Caribbean Beach. I don't like the look of it. I don't like the feel of it. Well, hope that helps, Kerry and Craig, and let us know what you decide to do. Yes, definitely. Okay, so after that helpful question, not Michelle, I hope we've entertained everybody in this fortnight's episode. We have tried our best to be quite informative this episode, and I appreciate there was a lot of information there, and hopefully we've brought it to you in a fun, interesting way. If you like the show, then please help us spread the word and let everyone know about the show. And you minsters can help us spread the word of our podcast in a number of ways. Firstly, you can rate and review the show on iTunes or on the Stitcher Radio app. You can tweet when you listen, retweet our tweets to share amongst your friends too. You can find us on Twitter at The Mini Minxes. 
You can like our Facebook page, which you'll find at www.facebook.com forward slash Podcast. You can read our blog, and there's some pretty good blogs over there at the moment. There's one on going to Disneyland, and there's also one on how to make Mickey pancakes. Find our blog at www.theminiminxes.blogspot.com And there's nothing more that me and Michelle enjoy than getting your emails to our email address which is contact at theminiminxes.co.uk You can email your comments, views, questions or even show ideas to that email address. You can also like us over on Facebook. Search for us. Find our page at the Mini Minxes Disney Podcast. Now, before we say adieu, abiento, avidazen, there is a little bit of a serious matter I'd like to sort of bring forth. And I've, I've not told Kimster about this, so I hope she doesn't mind. Oh dear. Um, friend of mine who's a show listener, massive Disney fan. She was a graduate of the Disney College program, the lovely Lucy Burgess. And... I have been approached by Lucy to share some news. On Sunday, she very bravely posted on Facebook that at the end of last year, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Now, she's had a couple of tough months, but she's just recently got the great and amazing, fabulous news that she's in remission and she's looking forward to going back to work and getting on with her life. I truly think Lucy is an absolute inspiration because what she's decided to do on the 23rd of June this year is to run the Cardiff Race for Life. Now, if I lived near her, I'd be there cheering her on, very proud of what she's trying to do. Alas, I'm not able to do that, but she is asking for sponsorship. So if you're a friend of Lucy's, you can find the details on her Facebook page or you can visit www.raceforlifesponsorme.org stroke Lucy Burgess Cardiff now I'll put this on our blog as well if you do want to sponsor it even just a couple of pounds she would be really grateful as she's trying to get 500 pounds to help this amazing organisation help other people and it's her way of saying thank you for her amazing treatment that she's received and her good prognosis that she has to get ahead of her if you are able to spare anything it'd be really great if we could give Lucy some support I'm a little bit of an obsessive with Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom I want to get as many of my cards as I physically can so that I've got a full set before I go in August I've got about 40 traders myself and another lady have set up a Facebook page called Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom trading cards if you have any cards and you want to trade find it on Facebook stick on there what your wants are what your trades are and we'll see if we can help you so that's a little plug from me have you finished plugging? I have well also I personally want to give a big shout out to a new listener a new subscriber I believe was one half of the people that asked your question this week Kerry Lucas so welcome to the show Kerry we hope you enjoy previous shows and future upcoming shows also another new listener is at reese underscore charlotte a new minxster who says she's just recently found the show and is enjoying listening to us all good feedback it is indeed now on our last show show 31 
we had Kelly Green and Becky Mannion. I just want to thank them both for very generously giving their time to for Becky for stepping in at the last minute when poor old Kimster was none too good and Kelly for talking all about SeaWorld and we hope to have you back on the show, both of you, at a later date. Definitely. Um, Kelly is amazing. What she doesn't know about SeaWorld is just not worth knowing. And Becky, she's fab. One day I will be on a show with her at the same time. It will happen. <laughs> we are not the same person. She's lovely. I love her to bits. So a big hello to Becky. And a big thank you from me for stepping in at last minute when I wasn't feeling too good. Also got a last and final one, Kerry Stockdale. Basically, bless her, Kerry to bits. She's desperate to have more food features on the Minimixes Disney podcast, so I hope today we brought you a little bit of food into your life. You can find more food over on our Disney blog as well. And we will be bringing in more food in more upcoming podcasts, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. So, all that's left for me to say is goodbye, farewell, have you listened? Bye! (laughs) Next show is out on the 29th of April. Woohoo! So, mini kisses from me. And mini kisses from me.